Hello and welcome back to the Essential Training Podcast with me, your host, Brian Kingston. Today we have a great chat with a good friend of mine, a really successful salesperson, a really successful sales manager, and also an entrepreneur. We're speaking today with Damien Woodfull. I've known Damien now for four or five years. We've worked together at thinkific.com and Damien was and is a top salesperson, also a really good sales manager. And on the side, while he was working at Thinkific, he created a business to equip B2B sales professionals with the tools needed to navigate the high pressure world of sales. So he worked on things like increasing resilience, emotional intelligence, and overall the bottom line. And he does that by using mindfulness techniques, training that he's learned in yoga. And what he does is allow sales professionals to be more in tune with themselves, to be more successful. And today we had a really interesting conversation all around high performance, all around tapping into our own awareness of stress, of mindfulness, meditation, success. And it was a really interesting chat. Good to talk to a good friend, also somebody that's in that's serving others, which is which was cool to connect on. And there's a lot of different points where Dane and I are aligned. So enjoy the podcast, enjoy the conversation, and here you go. Dane, great to have you here. It's amazing to be here. <laughs> it's good to see you again. It's good to talk to you again. And um, I'm excited to chat today. And maybe it would be good to start with if you could just tell us a bit about yourself and your business and the people you serve. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and yeah, I, I really appreciate being here today because, you know, Brian, we were close in Vancouver and it's been a while since we've chatted. So this is an awesome opportunity for us to catch up, uh, even though it's being recorded. But but yeah, I guess a little bit about me and my, and my journey. Um, I grew up playing high-level sports, football, soccer, whoever's listening uh, in whatever country, uh, was pretty much life. You know, my parents came from Ireland to Canada and grew up with that that footy culture. So played high level my whole life. Pretty much that was everything for me was uh was playing was playing footy. So yeah, I mean, I went all in as a as a kid with that mindset of that kind of being what I wanted to be, professional soccer player and I unfortunately experienced a few injuries kind of throughout my career that that made me have to pivot a little bit in that plan. I ended up uh, having a few few surgeries and a, a few tough injuries that that kind of derailed that that goal of being a professional soccer player. And I will say it was the uh, best thing that ever ever happened to me in the end. Those injuries ended up being the reason I am here today. So uh, a series of injuries, broken leg, surgery on my hip, but concussions were the one that really kind of stuck with me and uh, forced me to to do the deep work. So was playing high level soccer you know, had about four or five concussions there. And then actually snowboarding, I had my sixth. And when that happened, I knew something was was not okay. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't work. I couldn't look at a screen. I actually ended up having to leave my job. Uh, I was in a really, really dark place for eight months. And, you know, when you hit rock bottom, there's nowhere else to go but up. And I was in such a dark place. I didn't really know what to do. I was just lost. And I couldn't control my mind, couldn't control my thoughts. I was I was spiraling and it wasn't good. Full on depression, anxiety really taking over. And I was desperate, to be honest. I, I was this kind of 
I guess you could say like, quote unquote, jock growing up, never really cared about yoga meditation, never gave it a shot really. And decided, you know what, this could maybe be my best option out of desperation. So I kind of just threw myself in full, full into the deep end, jumped into the deep end and uh, did my yoga teacher training. Didn't have a ton of yoga and meditation experience prior to that, but that changed me completely. I came out of that uh, a different person with a different appreciation for, you know, what really matters and some of this emotional and, and spiritual awareness. So that's what kicked it off. I uh, became a yoga teacher. You remember that time, uh, Brian, Brian and I were working together at uh, at a company here in Vancouver and yeah, I kind of realized after that experience that this was the way for me and this was the life that I wanted in terms of showing up for others and helping others because this helped me so much. And I knew where I was and where I got to because of it. Coming out of that, I was like, okay, how can I offer this to others and serve others a little bit more? So that kind of led into the work I'm doing now, which is applying a lot of these mindfulness concepts for sales professionals specifically because you know, salespeople are the high-performing athletes of the workplace, and there's a lot of things that come with that. So, anyways, that's the the spark notes there. But um, basically, that's kind of the journey, uh, you know, as to where I am right now and and how I got there. So, a disaster uh, and a really tough, hardest point in my life turned out to be the biggest blessing in the end. Beautifully said. And there's so many different jumping-off points of what you talked about. Before I kind of ask you anything else, what brought you from that time of being concussed and going through that difficult eight months and experiencing that dark time to meditation and yoga? Yeah, I think I was at the point where, like I said, my thoughts were uncontrollable. They were just, my thoughts were consuming me. My my awareness of anything outside of my thoughts did not exist. And I was trying to figure out in my mind, I'm like, how can I get out of my mind? How can I get out of my head? That was that was the goal. And I started like reading some stuff about, you know, meditation. And my mom's a big yogi. And, you know, she always said, you should meditate, you should meditate. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, I should meditate now, probably because like, it was, it was out of desperation, honestly. It was like, I, I I don't know what else to do. I remember going to the doctor being like, I, I don't know what to do. Like my brain's just like, I can't even like control my brain. Like I, I was so unaware of the fact that you are not your mind and you are not your thoughts. Uh, I thought my thoughts were me. And I thought that my brain being in that state was me. And only when I began to remove myself from my thoughts and begin watching my thoughts, did I realize that like, okay, your brain's going through something right now, but this is not you. This is not defining you. And once I created that space and that separation, that was when it really, really started to change for me. So yeah, I just just kind of did the Calm app, to be honest. That was the first thing I did was just do a couple meditations on that. And that was my my intro into it. Uh, like I said, out of desperation. I feel like we could chat for like a day because <laughs> it's also us getting caught up here on the podcast a little bit too, which is cool. One of the things I think why we're here just going back full circle i think it's worth talking about like you kind of mentioned it at the beginning but you know why we're here today why our friendship is what it is and the gratitude that i have to know someone as well who's kind of gone through similar things and is doing the work to figure out the the deeper meaning of themselves and of life and all these uh, these different elements i guess one thing i'd like to discuss is it's just maybe that 
that journey, like really briefly, I know that could go on forever, but like, how has that journey been for you? I know you've been doing like a lot of work and, and figuring out like, who is Brian and what is the version of Brian that I want to be? You know what I mean? So how's that, how's that journey been? And the reason why I asked that maybe is because I, I, I know a lot of people probably are listening and they have desire to, to, you know, we reference that, that chart around that, that spiritual growth piece. And a lot of people want to, but they don't really know how to, and um, maybe are scared to, or maybe haven't give, given it the proper um, attention that it deserves. So yeah, curious to hear briefly your, uh, your journey on that. Well, the first thing to say about that really is I always saw what my dad was doing for work. And I was like, I want a piece of that. Now, what do I mean by that? People would come up to me and be like, your dad changed my life. Your dad saved our business. Your dad um, helped our marriage. And I was like, what sorcery is this man doing? How? <laughs> and and this, this feels so meaningful, you know? And, you know, I want to piece this. And I remember asking, like, how do I do what you do? And and what for people who don't know, we have a business called Essential Training. For 30 years, dad has worked as a coach, uh, a facilitator, and he mainly works with CEOs, C-level executives, directors. And, you know, some of his biggest clients are his best friends. Some of his best friends turn into clients. A lot of his best friends aren't clients. You know, it's, it's a mix. And, you know, we were uh, on a trip to Nepal. We go on a trip to Nepal twice a year to support a charity. And it was a men's trip, a business leaders trip. There were CEOs, directors, people that own their own businesses. And someone asked dad, like, how did you think of starting your business? Like, what led you to that? And he's like, well, I knew I wanted to serve people and I wanted to do work where I could say, I love my clients. And that really stuck with me. So now, how did I get to where I am working in the family business? I mean, uh, so I went to Blackrock College in Ireland. From I always loved sport. Soccer was my first love. And then my parents sent me to Blackrock, which um, is a big rugby school in Ireland. A lot of Irish internationals went to Blackrock College. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's compulsory to play rugby there. And it's the thing. It, it, rugby is it's, it's a rugby school, people would call it. And... From my footballing soccer days, I was just a natural footballer and I took the position of number 10, fly half, and was the starting fly half on every team I was in, in in Blackrock. And we won everything, our team. They called us the dream team and seven or eight guys went on to play professional. Some are still playing. Six or seven of the guys went on to play for the national team multiple times. And um, we won the senior cup that year. I scored the winning try at the Leicester senior cup. And I remember we had to go back to the school to give a speech to um, all of the supporters and the parents as we were eating dinner and each each player gives a speech. And I had written a poem for my speech. And the feeling I got seeing people laugh and cheer at different parts of the poem, the poem was kind of poking fun fun at each player, one to 15, Mm -hmm. and also kind of summing up the year. And the feeling I got doing that was really special. And I've kind of been on a 10-year journey to kind of lean more into that side of myself. Because mm-hmm. when I was in high school, yeah, I was the jock. 
but I wanted to be on stage and I wanted to be debating. It was kind of like <laughs> High School Musical. You know that guy, the main guy in High School Musical? Like, <laughs> Man, I not cutting you off here, but I was the exact same. That's an in, another interesting common common yeah. uh, theme there. But keep keep going, yeah. And, and so so... <laughs> And so when I got into college, I got a scholarship to play to play rugby. I got offered a few different scholarships with different um, universities in Ireland. And after three or four months playing rugby in my scholarship, I realized this isn't what lights me up. And I joined the the Hispanic Society. I, I wanted to learn Spanish. I joined the debating team. We debated we debated in Oxford and we debated all over. And I, I got a first class honors in my philosophy degree, and I ended up doing a master's in philosophy and sociology. Now. I quit playing rugby after those concussions and during that concussions time. And that, while it felt like the right thing to do for me, it was like jumping off a cliff because who the fuck was I if I wasn't this rugby player guy? And that was so difficult because I always knew I felt different in the changing rooms. Like, it was, you know, this bravado, macho, slagging, making fun of each other, always riffing on each other. And like, I just didn't connect with any of that. And like, I was like, am I gay? You know, like, like at the time in Ireland and, you know, at that age, I didn't have any frame of reference to be so different as how I felt. I thought, well, you know, maybe I, maybe I'm gay. Maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. Yeah. Because because I felt so different, and that seems like a crazy thing to say on the podcast, but maybe other people have felt similar. I didn't have a language to to describe myself. So when I quit playing rugby, I had all this free time. You know, I got a part time um, job in a bar while I was in college and and a cafe, and was doing all the stuff that I loved. But I remember a friend of mine saying to me in in jest, he said, "Your stock has really fallen," because in his mindset and in the world that he was in, I was nothing in the rugby world anymore. And, and you know, my, my, my high school coach came up to me and said, um, oh, you know, I heard you're down in UCC and, and I asked someone how you're getting on. They said they don't really know and you're, you know, you're not really amounting to anything. Like in the rugby world, yeah, I had gone from hero to zero very quickly when I decided to quit. But I was doing all this stuff that was lighting me up. So I, and after college, um, I knew that I was, there was big changes happening and I didn't know, I didn't know how to, where to put myself, but I felt all this potential and, you know, I got a, I, I won college scholar for an award for a high academic achievement. You know, I knew I was doing some things that, that suited me, but in my environment, I, I was nothing uh, anymore. At least that's how I saw it at the time. And I walked the Camino de Santiago, which is a 30 day pilgrimage from France to the Atlantic Ocean and it opened up my world to people from all different parts of the world who were all searching for something more than their lives could give them they might have gone through a death they might have gone through a, a breakup you know that opened up my eyes to a whole other world outside of the bubble excuse me outside of the bubble that I was living in so I came back to Dublin and you know kind of like that that um that diagram we were talking about, I went and got a sales job. I was successful at that. I switched to another sales job. And ever since I was on that Camino Santiago, I, was, I knew I wanted to travel in Latin America because I'd learned a lot of Spanish. So I, I quit my sales job after earning a good chunk of money and went to travel Latin America. And that's how I ended up in Vancouver. And, you know, I got, right. a, lot of, I got a lot out of my system on that trip around the world, you know, 
Mexico, Guatemala, Peru, hiked Machu Picchu, um, did, you know, indigenous Mexican Temescals, these spiritual ceremonies. Uh-huh. And, you know, had this really um had this really profound, life-altering experience, and then moved to Vancouver and got back into sales. You know, so it was kind of that swinging on the spectrum. And, yeah. and I and I thought, okay, Vancouver is going to be this open-minded place where I can integrate both sides of myself, this kind of spiritual, uh, poetic, um, adventurous side with my sales side. And in, in a lot of ways I was, but, and sorry to say, Demo, what I was disappointed was in Canada, men were no further than they were in Ireland in mm-hmm. speaking about their emotions, in <laughs> in tapping into themselves. Yeah. And, um, I'm just going to turn my light on here. It's getting dark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Men seemed men seemed no further in in understanding themselves and tapping into into themselves uh-huh. so you know we we connected on, on a lot of those points we discussed and we're both successful sales people as i said bringing in millions of dollars for this business and um i knew i was I, and we were selling to coaches and consultants so at least i could use my tech sales skills to speak to customers that i knew were doing what i wanted to be doing which was working in coaching consulting yeah. um, and 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 i could speak that language because that's what i had grown up in uh, yeah. you know working in my dad's business throughout my life at, at different points mm-hmm. and that led me to a really difficult decision um i was working with my own coach and i had started my own coaching practice and i had i was building up momentum in vancouver mm-hmm. yeah. and i started to ask myself the big life questions you know as a 30 31 32 year old man where do i want to be uh, and the answer was Ireland, close to my family. And that led to a really difficult decision to move back from Vancouver, where I'd been living for four years, and move back in with my parents, leave a life that I had built in Vancouver with a lot of amazing connections and and a relationship that I really cherished, but it, the, the time of that relationship had ended. And it was the most difficult decision I've ever made in my life. And I remember going to doing a lot of therapy when I moved home, going to a lot of spiritual teachers, basically searching for anything that would help me that little percent to, to get back to myself. And I remember one Reiki practitioner said, Jesus, you've been through a lot at your age. Like as in, you've made a lot of tough life decisions at your age. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of people, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you, you know, you could say that it's tough or easier or whatever. But when she said that, it kind of made me feel like, oh yeah, you know, I have been through a lot. And, uh, and so while I was in Canada I, I and I was working in my sales job, uh, I took a, a course to learn to be to be an executive coach. And because I knew while I was successful at sales, I wanted to be making an impact on people's lives where where coaches had made impact on my life and what my dad was doing with people. And so after years of working in our family business part-time and running retreats with my dad and doing corporate workshops at his part-time i've finally gone full-time into the business and here we are now seven or eight months in and you know what am i doing i'm i'm selling i'm facilitating i'm coaching i'm doing marketing Mm -hmm. uh i'm wearing lots of hats and some days no hats and (laughs) and yeah and what what's the work that we do we work with people and companies to help them tap into their potential. So mm-hmm. we work with right from one or two person businesses, right up to multinational corporations. We work with from finance to car sales, to healthcare, 
mm-hmm. any businesses that have that has people really we can work with we can work in and mm-hmm. we use but what we've learned over the years in the many courses and qualifications that we've gotten I, i'm a international I, i'm a member of the international coaching federation which is mm-hmm. the, a membership organization that certifies coaches and you have to do a certain number of hours of coaching and, and training in order to get there. And, um, and yeah, we work with people on a one-to-one basis. We do group work and, uh, you know, we're, we're helping people to achieve what they want to achieve. That might mm-hmm. be, um, getting their company to acquisition. That might be getting their company to IPO. That might be getting better work-life balance. It might be getting a team to perform better. It might be with people in their relationships. And well, maybe I'll say one last thing on the work that mm-hmm. we do is um, I see and one of my best friends from a long time ago uh, in high school. He's now a heart and thoracic surgeon in Ireland, and mm-hmm. he's also done a coaching qualification. And he gave me a great analogy. If you look at life and you know your quality of life and you look at maybe like minus 10 to plus 10, minus 10 is like crisis, plus 10 is like fully flourishing. Usually the healthcare system and things like therapy and psychotherapy can help people get from that minus 10 to like zero or to one or two. Mm-hmm. And where we step in is we help people move closer to that 10 point. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're generally working with people in the workplace. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I remember saying that to dad and he was like, well, we actually work with people probably from five upwards, you know? So. Yeah. There is a place for therapy. There's a place for all those other healing modalities. And, and that's where we generally step in. And yes, mm-hmm. really fulfilling work. It's really challenging work. Um, having our own business comes with its own mm-hmm. challenges and excitements and fulfillment. So that's kind of a whistle-stop tour into how I've gotten to where I am today. Love that. And I'm sure... People in your audience too love hearing your uh, your full journey there, and 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 also good on you for you know having that awareness of 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 what you want and putting that work into you know sometimes we don't know everything in terms of you know maybe what we want, but we know when something isn't right or if it's something we don't want, and acting on that and doing something about that to get to where you need to be to be that eight or nine or ten in your in your chart there, and and. Sometimes that comes with sacrifice. Sometimes that comes with change. And, you know, these things are tough. But having that awareness of, of you know, what you want and doing something about it is powerful. Well, so. what you said there hits home in a big way. And someone shared with you this reason. I think it was my buddy, Jack, who's also a coach and, and um, does amazing work. He said, hard choices, easy life. Easy choice, choices, hard life. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I remember I used to work at Glassdoor and I was one of the first SDRs, sales development reps in the Dublin office. There was eight of us. Mm-hmm. And I was only talking to my dad about this today. I remember sitting in front of the screen and I was so ambitious and so hungry, like a lot of young SDRs are. And I remember looking at my screen and after a couple of weeks, kind of realizing the task ahead of seeing this list of numbers that I had to call and well i remember i i was the first after a couple of months i was top of the sdr leaderboard worldwide for inman sdrs in glassdoor i remember that being such a big achievement um but i remember after a few weeks feeling this heat and and itchiness and irritation in my scalp i was only telling my dad about this today who's also in mm-hmm. her business mm-hmm. and 
that really hasn't left me in the past 10 years. Um, if I get frustrated or if I'm, you know, you see in cartoons, like oh, people scratching their heads when they, you know, that it was a literal manifestation mm-hmm. of that. And it's something I'm trying to get to the bottom of now. Um, but I remember, but looking back, I, I didn't have tools to understand how I was experiencing probably some forms of stress, but I, I was so gung-ho on being successful that I just powered through and didn't listen to my body, you know? And and there's that quote, you know, if you don't listen to your body's whispers, you're going to have to listen to your body's screams. <laughs> and my body has screamed at me at different points in my life. And now I feel the, the space and time to listen to this whisper because I feel like I'm ready to, to deal with this um, aspect of what's going on for me now. Why am I mentioning that is because there's so many people that listen to this podcast that are high-performing individuals, whether it's in sports or the arts or business, and maybe they're experiencing something like that that they haven't questioned or asked themselves about. And when I listen to your story, there's so many things that I can relate to there. Like as we were talking about before, we're both straight white males, first of all. Uh, We both have podcasts. and we're both on this journey and doing work where we have realized that we want to serve others, that we are serving others. And yeah, we want the financial success and the abundance and the freedom and also the meaning and the purpose in our work. And I oh. think since we've known each other, I feel like that's how we've, that's one big thing we've connected on. Um, and, you know, I played rugby to a high level up until I was 21 or 22, uh, played for the Irish national under 19s, under 20s team. And I also experienced a few concussions, hospitalized a few times. And my last ever game of rugby, uh, I was hospitalized again for concussion. And for two or three weeks afterwards, I was in a dark room and I was in a very dark place. And subsequently to that, I changed my job. I uh, decided to move out of my parents' place where I was living at the time. And only looking back, am I realizing that I was actually making these massive life decisions in a place where I probably wasn't in my right mind frame. But back then, and this is only seven or eight years ago, we probably didn't have the understanding of concussion mm-hmm. that we do now. Where I also relate to your story is I actually think that that last concussion was a gift because I had fallen out of love with the sport. I was probably playing because I was good at it rather than I enjoyed it. And I felt maybe guilty and shameful for wanting to not do this thing that I was really good at, that so many people dreamed of uh, reaching the heights of uh, the sport, whereas I was becoming more and more jaded and tired And that last concussion, I remember really vividly waking up on the pitch and people around me and the whole game had stopped and thinking, thank God, I now don't have to make this decision. This decision has been made for me. And there is part of me that regrets it letting it get to that point, to having to make that decision. But also I think it was some way of giving me a gift so that the decision was taken out of my hands. And I'm lucky because it could have been far worse. You know, and the last 10 years for me has been 
a similar journey of mindfulness, meditation, yoga, traveling around the world and doing different modalities to kind of try and integrate these different parts of myself and to be successful. And we spoke a little bit about before you were chatting about this concept of living a fulfilling life. And if you can imagine an axis, like on the vertical axis is like spiritual growth and meaning. And on the horizontal axis, you have like psychological or worldly growth. Mm -hmm. And for me, I feel like I've had a massive pendulum swing of successful worldly success and then meaning and searching for meaning and purpose. And luckily I've had success with both in very, and it feels like I'm coming into more alignment where my work now feels very meaningful. It's also financially abundant or, and there's still a massive journey and process to go with mm-hmm. that. But I wonder, I, I, from speaking with other people, clients, friends, seeing how the world is, it seems to me that a lot of people maybe do one or the other or maybe haven't asked themselves or reached those points where they, like you said, rock bottom, where they've had to go into the likes of meditation or mindfulness or or yoga. Yeah. And there's so much to unpack there as well, right? There's like a million topics. But I think the one big thing for me that, you know, hits home to what you're saying too, is like just sounds woo woo and all that, but trusting trusting the universe a little bit too. And and like, you know, we talked about these things happening and turning out to be the best thing. And and it's about rolling with it for what it is, you know, in life. If something bad happens to you, turning that around and making the most of it. Cause you don't know necessarily if that's a bad thing or if it will maybe turn out to be the best thing that's ever happened to you. Like, you know, we're both talking about. So I think that's a powerful message you know, in itself to anyone that's going through a tough time, like you, you don't, you don't know if this will be the best thing that, that has ever happened to you. So you have to really, you know, trust, trust the universe a little bit there and, and be as positive as you can. And I think leading into that point that you mentioned there with, um, you know, the, the demographic and, and your audience too, being a lot of high achievers, I think, first of all, men in general, we don't, we don't talk about this stuff enough, as you know, um, you know, it's easier to just sweep it on the rug and carry on until, until it all kind of blows up. And, and my, my dad's, you know, from Dublin, born in Dublin and, you know, culture that he grew up in, it was, you don't really talk about your shit, you know, you just kind of keep it in and I don't know, you deal with it at some point, maybe when it, or when it blows up. So it's, you know, amazing as well that I think we're both here in the demographic that we are talking about first of all, mental health in, in general, because I think now there is starting to be more movements and, and more awareness and, and, and more talk about that. And I think as as high-performing athletes, if, you know, I say athletes because athletes can be also in the workplace, high performers, let's just say, you know, it's important as much to tune into that as it is, you know, the physical, as you know. And I think rest and tuning into the body and these signs, going back to what you're saying, these are cues of, of what we need to listen to for sustainable growth, for long-term success. And to any high achiever that's listening to this and is like, you know, questioning the relevance of prioritizing mental health or listening to what your body is telling you, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty obvious. You're, you're not going to be in the game for long if you don't. So it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. At some point, you will have struggles. We all do. So, you know, just tuning into what they are, I think it's just so, so important. And it's a simple thing of awareness that we often make so complex (laughs) and you know 
we both in the previous company we were in brought in more than a million dollars for the company, like uh, multiple millions of dollars. Like we've both been in that high performing environment in a, a, a sports scenario, but also in a work scenario. I mean, I've seen your numbers, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I remember going to your Friday morning meditations with, for the sales team that we were working on. And one of the things that I noticed was as we were meditating, I just would yawn uncontrollably multiple times. And you asked a great question. You were like, oh, what, you know, well, you asked a great question of what do you notice as we do this meditation? And for me, what I realized was I wasn't getting enough rest. I was getting to Friday and I was exhausted. Now we were, you know, in an online course business in the pandemic, we were taking eight or nine 30 minute calls a day back. To oh yeah. Selling wow. like, you know, and then you're doing your follow-ups. It was, it was incredibly exciting. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was also, it took a lot of energy. And I just remember realizing, oh, I need to do something about this. And it's not more coffee. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's probably, yeah. it's probably more rest. It's probably, I mean, the big realization that I had and it was I wasn't doing enough things that filled up my cup because I loved selling. I do, I do love selling. I sell every day now. Um, I love selling. And I love asking those questions to figure out what's really going on for a person or a company in order to help them, all that stuff. But it, you know, it's only one aspect of life. And while I was very successful at that, I probably had lost sight of being in nature, uh, being with my partner, um, being with my friends, exercise, and. I was at a talk recently by a good friend of mine, Jack Cavan in Ireland here. He he does a lot of keynotes and he had a tragic accident when he was 20, where he jumped into the sea in Portugal and became paralyzed from the armpits down. And oh, wow. he is, to me, a definition of taking a difficult situation and turning it around. And he sits on boards for disability charities that word but he sits on board for disability charities he does 50 or 60 keynotes a year he's a lovely person as well and we have great crack and he was talking about the flow state and finding things where you are in the flow state and those things are actually can, can be the best preventative measures you can take from burnout because as someone that's gone through burnout one of the things I learned afterwards was burnout isn't necessarily your battery emptying or your cup emptying. It's not doing enough of the things that fill up your cup. And to, for any high performing person, while that thing probably gives you a lot of meaning and purpose and drive, it's, it's why you're good at it. It's important to do the other things that fill up your cup in order to bring your best self to whatever you're doing. 100%, man. And it's so easy to get caught up in you know, the work, let's say, and, and society as a whole, I hate labeling that, but it, it it does encourage you to work hard to get what you want. And I think that is very important to work hard. But I think one message that isn't as frequent is to work smart and to work in a way that the best version of you is going to show up, not the burnt out version of you or not the tired version of you. That's not serving anyone, yourself nor anyone around you. So 
I think it's an amazing reframe to think, how can I work smart and consistently show up as the best version of me? I think the only way to achieve that is through balance of the things that you said, through rest, through filling your cup up through these different actions. And only when we have that perfect, you know, kind of cocktail, are we going to show up as as that version that is going to be the best for everyone. And it it sounds crazy because you're almost taking a step back to take a step forward. And that and that can be a tough concept for people to struggle. You know, some people struggle with that. Like, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, I'd rather personally work four hours of amazing me uh, and do the things that are going to give me that amazing four hours versus like a 10 hours of a, a drained me. Um, and I'm confident to say, maybe four is a little short, let's say six hours. In that six hours, I will get the same amount done and it will be the best version of me. And and I think that's something that people struggle with. But I I mean, like you, I, I've toyed with both sides of it. And uh, that's what I found has worked for me. So I'm I'm all about that, man. And, and, and it's it's so important to remind ourselves of that, right? Like, it's like, oh, the hour run at lunch. Oh, but it's going to put me behind of all the shit to do. And it's like, yeah, but when you do that, you're going to come back and do better work. And you're going to be a better version of you. And that's worth it. Yet we don't always think like that. So, yeah, man, that hits home for, for sure with what you're saying. I spoke to a friend of mine, Colin Doolin, the other day. And, well, I've called him a friend now. We just met recently. Um, mm-hmm. I bumped into him in the gym and I saw he had a... Iron Man 70.3 bag and I had just signed up for my first one and we we had a great conversation Mm -hmm. then I realized he has a podcast about being sober and he does Iron Man and I was telling him about signing up for one and my training and we talked about he said look one of the biggest things is don't overtrain and he said rest is fuel yes which I thought was really beautiful and uh, like I was doing a workshop in one of our clients they're a, a multinational financial organization and i take them for the last day of their weekly induction and they're learning about all different parts of the business my job is to help them connect with that company's values and also help them learn tools to get the best out of themselves one of the exercises that we do is we teach the participants how to juggle it's kind of wild because you know they're they're in front of their laptops and pens and paper all week and then i come in and teach them how to juggle and it does many things. Uh, it teaches people how to uh, always have a beginner's mindset uh, because mm-hmm. in order to achieve the success of uh, learning something new, they have to be okay with um, dropping the ball, a failure, looking stupid, um, asking the silly questions. In order, you know, mm-hmm. so it's a, it serves a powerful metaphor. I love for, that. For yeah. being new in their role. Um, and one of the questions. I asked a group after we were, when we were reflecting on the exercise, so what do you notice? And one of the girls said, I don't remember the last time I did something where I kind of lost track of time, where I, and she was like, I can't think of the word. I was like, novelty, um, newness, uh, da, 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 da. and I was like, play. And she was like, yes, play. And uh, if, it's just so ironic that what we're doing is we're coaching people on how to be successful in their roles. And as you said, it can be counterintuitive to integrate moments of play or of, like you said, going for a run in your day because it, it it may sometimes feel like it's counterproductive to the work that you should be doing. But as you said, that will bring you back more refreshed into, mm-hmm. into doing that task. 100%. Man, I love that juggling thing. I think yeah, that's... 
<laughs> you heard it here. No, but I think it's uh, I can't juggle. That's the problem. I couldn't teach him. <laughs> oh, man. But there's so much to that, too. I think even that failure piece hits home, too, right? Like, I think a lot of us are scared to fail around a judgment and opinion of others, like, as well. Like, what will people think of me when I fail? And, you know, actually, Greg, Greg Smith, I think Ific always said that we have to fail and we have to get comfortable with failing and we have to, as a society, normalize failure to get progress. And that sticks with me because we still haven't normalized failure and we haven't really made it okay. Like there still is a lot of judgment with it, you know? And Mm. I think when you get comfortable failing, that's when you really, really grow. And I think that's when, you know, going back to your chart as well that that spiritual growth can can really take place when you're when you're willing to to tune into to what you want and try different things and even if it fails you, you know you've tried it and you and you're opening up and and you're blooming into this different version of you so that that failure piece from that really really hits home yeah me. and like you know to hear that from greg who was our ceo who you know ipo a company that was valued a billion dollars on the toronto stock exchange you know mm-hmm. um there is credence to what he's saying, which is reflected in the success that he's had and what he built. And, you know, there was a good few years at Thinkific where it felt like the best job I ever had. You know, that that's a special thing to have created. Um, Amazing. And yeah. So one question that comes to mind for me is when you're doing work with salespeople around mindfulness, around performance, around tapping into this part of themselves, that will hopefully and that does help them increase their performance. Mm-hmm. What are some of the tools or or what are some of the common topics that come up? I'd love to hear more about that specifically because mm-hmm. I'm guessing there's a lot of people listening to this that'll that'll benefit. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, uh, it was cool because uh, when we were both working together, I was able to, you know, trial and pilot a lot of these concepts. And I remember we we did a lot of the stuff together and like. It's hard because when you go into the sales world and you say the world word mindfulness and everything, people have their opinions and, you know, maybe aren't all um, open to hearing what you have to say. So I try and, and not really make it about that and, and just try and make it about what they know. And, and do you want to make more money? Do you want to, um, you know, and then the years start perking up, obviously. Do you want to uh, be happy uh, in your in your day-to-day? And just like super high-level things that mindfulness in its core will will achieve, you know, it, it's it's getting people's attention. Because I think when you go in with mindfulness and stuff, people are like, why the hell is this even relevant, right? So um, really kind of taking the angle like we've been talking about. No, it's going to help you perform better and you're going to show up every day as the best version of you. Are you interested in hearing more? And I think that's when people are like, okay, what are you talking about? And I think the first thing is really that awareness pillar that, again, tying back to everything we've been talking about, it's getting people to understand how they're showing up every day. So, you know, signs from our body, our body is constantly giving us cues. We just have to listen to it. And and when we don't, you know, as, as we discussed, that's when things compound and uh, we have issues. So it's really getting people to to really tune into to what's going on, first of all. So, you know, how is the mind... Uh, what are the thoughts like? What is the body telling you? And a lot of times people are like, holy shit, like my day, what I'm doing is actually not sustainable. And, 
you know, I mean, there's a reason why the average tenure of a sales rep is like a year and a half to two years right now, because people aren't tuning into this. And then, you know, they're, they're at that point where they're just like, this is too much sales isn't for me or whatever it might be. Right. So that awareness piece is huge. And then the second piece is acceptance. So awareness of where you are and then accepting that is so, so key. So simple, high level concept, but getting people to tune into where they are allows them to, to have that. But if you don't accept that piece, you won't be able to bring change or develop a plan to, to get to where you want to be. That acceptance piece is so key. And it's one that's often overlooked. So that's, that's huge for me when I, when I start working with a, a lot of, you know, sales professionals, it's that awareness, getting them to bring the acceptance. And only once we have them there, can we then start to put a plan and, and introduce some tools around how, now that we've identified where they are and, and they're, they've accepted that as, as you know, and, 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 keep, and it's important to note here, acceptance is not saying, okay, you're stressed. You're accepting that you're stressed. You're accepting that you are experiencing stress. You're accepting that the body it's not accepting stress. It's not saying, yeah, that's fine. It's just saying, I acknowledge. I accept what I'm feeling. I, I, I'm I acknowledging this. And that's what I mean by acceptance. I, I just want to clarify that because sometimes like when I say that, people are like, so I should just accept being stressed. It's like, no, accept that you're experiencing stress right now, like fully, like admit that, accept that. Um, and then, yeah, and then it's putting the tools in the framework to get them to where they want to be, right? So it's like, okay, we're at, this is where we are. We've kind of done a diagnosis. Now let, let's get to, let's get you to where you want to be. And that's where like a lot of the, um, you know, nervous system and breath work uh, comes into play of, of regulating the nervous system. And and when you are stressed, here's things you can do, you know, after a tough call, you know, you're experiencing all these emotions or you just got a bunch of no's, here's things you can do to kind of reset. So you're not carrying that into your next call. So all these things compound and, and increase your performance and also, again, allow you to just be more in tune, which will allow you to enjoy your day to day more. So it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of that kind of concept that in the work I'm doing, but I try and, and not make it too like meditation mindfulness because uh. I find uh, the the ears are not always uh, as open when I go yeah. in at that angle. So yeah, well, that's kind of that's kind of what it is. Yeah, I love what you said there. I mean, um, one thing about building rapport, uh, an amazing technique. I think it's from Frank and Covey is match, mirror, place, pace, and lead. So mm -hmm. when we're selling to an organization a concept, we need to match their language, um, and, and we need to so we need to figure out okay what language are they using? They're using a language of high performance of uh, profit of uh, success achievement okay let's use that language and I, i'm talking like now from a business owner's perspective but it can be used in any part of life then mirror okay i'm going to use that language so now i'm speaking that person's language now we've built enough rapport there's trust built up and now i can start pacing now i can start maybe leading the way and that's where it moves to lead match mirror pace lead then i can mm. speak about yeah you want to experience success great, let's do three deep breaths before your next big sales call and notice how much more present you are as you're asking these pertinent questions to your prospect or your group of prospects. Mm -hmm. I love also what you said because I remember going to play rugby matches and I used to be, I used to be so anxious before, but I, I didn't know what, what to call it. I was nervous. I was shitting myself. Um, literally, I would have to go to the I would have to go to the bathroom a few times yeah. before a game because yeah, it's the nerves. It's nerves, right? 
Yep. And as I got a little bit older and and I came into the workplace, what I realized was, and, and one of my sales mentors said this to me in my first sales job, he's like, we were, I used to sell insurance and we used to drive around from school to school. We'd give a presentation to like 50 staff and then we'd meet them individually, either in the schools or at home. Uh, I grew up a lot in that year. I learned so much and I'm always grateful for that job. And as I was going into one of my first houses as a fully fledged salesperson with my mentor beside me, the training wheels were just coming off. He said, okay, you know, seven o'clock at night, we're about to meet a husband and wife. We're about to go through all their finances and give them advice on what, what they need to do with their money and insurance. And he said, are you nervous? I said, yeah. He was like, good. It means you care. And it, it, it sounds so simple, but it, 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 that was the beginning of me changing my mindset around nerves. I also remember giving a talk, going back to my high school. I've, been, I've gone back five or six times to talk about leadership. And, um, and I remember before one talk, I was so nervous. My, my heart was beating. My hands were sweating. And it got to a point where I felt like I couldn't control it. And it was almost like I was about to have a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I had to be like, right, well, what am I going to do? And I just took a few deep breaths. I looked around the room. I noticed where I was. I kind of accepted that. And and the big realization for me was, and someone said this to me afterwards, was you're, you care so much about what you're going to be talking about. You want to do a good job. That anxiousness is also, it, it means that you care. And it's also excitement as well, because mm-hmm. the feelings afterwards are joyous so it it took me to be aware of it it took me to accept that if i'm going to be doing something like a podcast like facilitating a group workshop like having a big sales call with you know ceo and a head of hr it's going to be natural that your hands will be sweaty and you might feel some butterflies in your stomach yes and that means you care and it also means you're you're anxious you're also excited and how we name it also, I find affects the feeling in itself because yeah. you're like, oh, I'm so anxious. This, I'm so anxious. I'm actually kind of anxious. I'm kind of excited, and it it, it changes how you then approach the situation. I love that. That's actually uh, a nice added point to the acceptance piece. Of first of all, it's okay. You know, that's obviously what it means. It's okay to feel that way. But like flipping around, it's like to what your mentor said. It's like, yeah, you're nervous, but that that's a good thing too right and and there's there is even you know healthy stress and there is even you know the this healthy excitement and and there is all these different things so that yeah that's a really good way to kind of view that and i think as well when we when we do do that it also like when we say to ourselves like our self talk my self talk in particular it's getting better but it is so so harsh like and saying to yourself like it's okay you know, it's okay. And when you say that, you, the body responds, the nervous system's responding with that acceptance too. So even saying that even out loud to yourself, okay, it's okay. You feel this way. It's normal. It's a big moment, but this is exciting. You know, and having that little like internal uh, chat can do wonders. And and going back even to what you are saying earlier in sales, that active listening piece is so, so important. And that awareness like element allows you to to have that active listening piece, which allows you to be there for the buyer. And it's not about you, it's about them. And if you're not listening to them, you're not gonna probably be a good um, sales professional, right? So that that awareness piece is, is so, so key. 
when it comes to that. And, and, you know, we were kind of talking about that, those stages, but when it comes to active listening, it's so, so important. That's like a big thing I noticed too, with a lot of sales professionals. It's like, are you thinking about asking the next question? Or are you listening to what they're saying actively and being proactive in that? Are you fully there right now in terms of what the, what the buyer is saying right now? And many of us are not. So that's another thing that we, we kind of focus on and as well. I remember our VP of sales, Adam Jones, who was a, who was and is a massive mentor to me. Mm-hmm. You know, be human on your call. Bring your natural curiosity. If they say something about their business, sorry, I don't really under like, I don't really understand what you what you mean there. What what is that? You know, how does that affect your bottom line? Or you 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 mentioned that you're struggling with this piece of software. Well, how does that affect your business? And mm-hmm. uh, bringing natural curiosity can be so powerful in a sales situ- in a sales scenario, mm-hmm. and that excitement and adrenaline helps us be in the present moment when when funneled correctly in order to see those markers and be able to think quickly enough to ask the right question. And it's the exact same in coaching. I, I don't know if a client could feel it or not, but it's there's a noticeable difference when I'm taking into account their body language, their tone of voice, what they're not saying. In, in my coach training, that I did over a year with Eric's coaching, they talk about three levels of listening. You know, level one was like, uh, what's the person saying? Uh, level two was like, okay, what's their tone of voice? What's their body language? How are they saying it? And then level three listening is, right, what are they not saying? What mm. what's, What are the pauses saying? What, what do you feel is being left out? And training yourself to move from first level listening right down to third level listening, it facilitates a far deeper conversation with your coachee, with your prospect, with your manager, with your podcast guest. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. That's, that's such a simple little breakdown too. And and the other thing is too, this is going on a bit of a tangent, Go but I'll, I'll do it briefly. But when we meet people and when you know people... Let's say you go to a party and and you know you leave the party and that person's like, oh, that Brian guy's a great guy. If you listen to people and genuinely be curious about people and ask them questions, people love talking about themselves as well. So in life as well, if you want to be likable, like asking people genuinely being curious about people and listening to what they have to say will go very far. And it's a simple thing, but it 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 does it does wonders. And and that's something I try and do more is like. I sometimes talk way too much. So it's like, okay, I'm going to listen more and just be curious. Like when I go to a, a party and I don't know anyone and then I end up meeting these people, have these like crazy chats. So it's like something I'm applying to everything in life as well. <laughs> and you know, the best salespeople I know connect with their prospects on a human level first mm-hmm. and and business, that happens through business then. And one of our clients said an amazing thing to me. He worked in Malaysia for years. Business is done through relationships. So all of this stuff, if it sounds fluffy to someone, no, no, no. This is this is the where the bottom line. This is where the rubber meets the road. I remember I interviewed one of our clients. He sold his business for tens of millions of euro. Uh, got acquired by a, a massive financial firm here in Ireland, and I've known him for years. And I remember interviewing him for our website because I wanted him to kind of t- tell a little bit about the work that we, the effect that we had on his business because we worked with him for for years and years and. You know, he said that we were a massive part in him getting to their to where they needed to be to go into uh, an exit, an acquisition. 
And I said, uh, Patrick, I know you're not about the bottom line, but like, how does this, how does the work that we do affect the bottom line? Um, because I'd always seen him as such a personable person and he really cared about people. And he said, hold on a second. And he interrupted me. He was like, I'm absolutely about the bottom line. <laughs> like, that—that <laughs> that is why yeah. we work with you. That is yeah, why we exactly. work with you. Because, yeah. the, you know, and I think it's the same for you. It's like, that's why we teach people about becoming aware of themselves. That's why we teach people about conscious communication. Yes, it's going to affect your health, your well-being. But you're also going to do better in whatever you're doing. 100%. This will, you will see results. This will be a positive trend when it comes to fulfillment, when it comes to revenue generated. These things will come because, mm -hmm. again, if the best version of you is showing up, good things are going to happen. Uh, and if a 60% version of you is showing up, the comparison is uh, dramatic in terms of the results. So 100% agree. And it's getting people to see that. Um, and I think, like you had mentioned, your client and uh, those that have get it. And, you know, my dad has a great phrase. It's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that hits the nail on the head for sure. I mean, the uh, the good stuff, usually easy. Oh, man, it's always it's always it's always a good chat. And I literally feel like this could have just been like a three hour episode. Maybe we'll do maybe we'll do another one. Uh, I think it'd be nice to do another one. Anything you want to yeah. leave people with or your <sighs> your listeners or customers or? Yeah. I mean, I think obviously a lot of the work I do is with sales professionals specifically, but I think even just a, a general message to, to anyone listening is just, you know, if you have some time to, to maybe just stop and, and bring some awareness into your everyday life and just see like where you are and, and see if you, you are where you want to be uh, in, a, in a, a way of self-compassion as well. Like this is, I think this episode is a good opportunity for, for listeners just to stop and pull a little awareness into their life and um, just check in and see where they're at. Uh, and uh, that's the starting point. And so if I was someone that had never done anything like this or maybe tried a few things that didn't work, what are one or two good check-in techniques that you use or that you recommend to your clients? Yeah, one of the the main ones that that we did a lot to in the past is is just the the daily check in. So it's um it it's more in in the day, right? So it's a a scale of one to ten. How am I feeling? Ten fantastic, one not so great, and then labeling with a word, right? So uh, you can do this throughout the day, uh, every hour. You could do this at lunch once a day. You could do it at the end of the day, but. The reason you do this uh, and why frequency is important is you're getting a consistent sample uh, of where you are, right? So we're all going to have bad days for sure. But if you're like a three every day and, and your word is like overwhelmed, 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 that's telling you something. So it's, it's just a simple way to to bring that awareness because um, we might not even realize like right now, if I just stopped with that, I'd say shit i'm probably have, i'm like an eight and i'm feeling like optimistic right now because i'm i'm you know excited after chatting so for me like it also is is great to do because it can be very uplifting like wow i'm actually having a great day right now so good or bad that acceptance piece is important after you have that awareness of where you are accepting what it is if it's a three it's okay uh if it's a two it's okay if it's an eight uh, it's okay. It actually doesn't matter what it is. The point is you're just bringing awareness. So that's a really simple way to just bring awareness into your day, just doing the check-in. And like I said, by consistently doing it, 
key is consistency and, and frequency, you, you're going to get a pulse check as to, to where you are with that awareness piece. So that's a simple thing that I'd maybe leave anyone anyone with that's curious to, to, to bring more awareness into their day-to-day. And will the person know what action to take when they notice what's coming up, do you think? Like, I, do you find that people do? I think there is a couple different ways to kind of go about it. So, you know, if you're experiencing twos and threes every day and you're feeling overwhelmed and, you know, d- depressed, again, it, it's meant to be a pulse check as to where you are. I don't think you have to have all the answers. I think just just knowing where you are is is the goal. From there, there are many avenues. As you know, you can you can maybe maybe the the best next step is to to go to to therapy. Um, maybe you know it's to hire a coach. Maybe it's to um, get outside more. Like there's a many many different roads. I think coaching is valuable because it brings clarity. Like once you've done some of the awareness work yourself, you can be like, hey, like you know, I've, I'm like a two every day, and I'm I'm depressed right now. I don't I don't know I don't know what to do which I, I was, I was a one every day. And I was, the word wouldn't even have made sense. The word that I would use to describe it. It was just jumble. And I knew that was wrong. I didn't know what to do about it. So I think the beautiful thing is now there's so many options in terms of resources. If you can just um, tune into your state from there, you can then kind of see if, you know, therapy, coaching, whatever the route might be is there. And, and there, you know, the great thing is there's, there's so much out there to, to support, anyone that that needs support with anything really um so uh, don't be afraid to also ask and seek that out and i have one more question if you don't mind yes so like <laughs> let's say a salesperson before a big sales meeting before a big sales call yep. or one of my clients before a big presentation mm-hmm. or a meeting with their manager what are some techniques that they can use to kind of help themselves maybe regulate or mm-hmm. uh, yeah before before some of those big performance type things well, the the nervous system is just really quickly here. When we're kind of in presentation mode, we're probably in fight or flight, right? So we we're in that sympathetic, parasympathetic, and sympathetic uh, components of the nervous system. And when we are in that sympathetic state, which is like fight or flight, we want to get to the opposite, which is you know the this parasympathetic. And the way that we can actually do that is through the breath. The breath you know, is linked to the vagus nerve, which allows us to kind of transition and, and move from these states of like fight or flight and to like relax and kind of in the zone as, as we, as we talk, you know, you, you, I, again, not going on a huge tangent here, but you see some athletes like in basketball before they shoot the free throw, they'll do their breath or like in rugby before they, you know, they kick, they'll do their breath. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's, there's this breath that is signaling to the nervous system safety. It's saying everything is okay. So when you're doing that, you're saying everything, everything's fine. So when you're about to do a presentation, you're in this fight or flight state, maybe you're even beyond that going into a free state, uh, which is that like freeze up, you know, which we had referenced. You want to, you want to let the nervous system know that everything's okay and come back to that, uh, to that side of it. So through the breath, we can do that. So what I, what I generally recommend is, is, is quite simple is literally doing, you know, 10 breaths. Not even, not even counting, you know, there's a lot of ways you can breathe. Breathe fully is what I say. So breathe in as much as you can and breathe out as much as you can 10 times. And when you're doing it, you know, just in your mind kind of saying, you know, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And, and the words will match what you're signaling to your body. And I promise you, you will, you will feel 
um, more and more calm by doing that. It's so simple, but the breath is is the biggest tool and one that we don't <laughs> uh, probably give enough um, credit to is the power of the breath and how much it can shift our our, our state. That is amazing. I will 100% use that. Either it reminds me of like, I'm getting a picture of like this old cartoon where they'd be like, if someone was really angry, be like, leave the room and count to 10. It's like, <laughs> it, it just allows us to take separation from those intense emotions. And I mean, again, <laughs> this could be a whole other topic, but like I, I'm married now and like with, with my wife, we have an argument. That's what we do. We just say, hey, you know what? I'm just going to take, uh, take a couple minutes here and walk out. You know, this is not anything. This is just me taking a minute and pretty much every time we come back, good. So it's yeah. like when we see something escalating, it's like, okay, let's uh, let's take two minutes here and just kind of go for a little separation and come back. Well, that's, I use that in my relationship with my parents. I use that in my relationship with my friends is mm-hmm. because it's not what I was trained from an early age, but okay, what you said has like hurt me. I just need some time. I will come back to it. But what I used to do with it when I was a teenager, what I would just, I would just get silent treatment. And it, yeah. it, it, the person didn't know what they had done wrong. And they had no tools to rectify it. And they didn't know what they were apologizing for. So now I'm learning to say, you know, what you said there, I didn't appreciate that. I just need some time. And at least that's then setting a boundary for both of us. Um, so again, I think there's many different things, but everything you've said there has is really useful. So yeah, I think we're going to have another chat, but um, thank you yeah. so much for coming on the podcast. And it's great to catch up to you. And yeah, well done on all the work you're doing and wishes success going forward. Same to you, brother. It's amazing seeing you. It's amazing seeing what you're doing. Um, I know that you're aligned with your your purpose, so that's cool to see. So uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, man. So that was my conversation with Damien, and it was an enjoyable catch-up as ever and a lot of amazing insights shared. So thanks for listening. Check us out at essentialtraining.ie. Brian Kingston or Ian Kingston on LinkedIn. We also have a YouTube channel, Instagram. And if you have any suggestions for the podcast, just reach out to us on email. It's in our, on our website or on LinkedIn or Instagram. If you'd like to be on the podcast, if you suggest somebody that you'd like to hear on the podcast, we're open to it. So thanks for listening and see you next time. Well, there you have it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Essential Training Podcast with me, Brian Kingston and my dad, Ian Kingston. As dad says, hope it brought something up for you and gave you a chance to reflect on your own work and your own life. We'll see you again next Thursday. And as always, we're open to any feedback or suggestions you might have, what you liked about it, what you think could be better, maybe some suggestions for guests, suggestions for topics as well. So thanks a million for listening and we will see you or you'll hear us next week.